Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Hoops Habit Podcast, part of the Fansided Network. I'm your host, Michael Duggar, and coming to you Friday morning, early Friday morning, February 22nd, and I don't have a lot of, there's not a lot of basketball I'll talk right now, or just because we just had the All-Star break, I'll talk about the All-Star break, I'll talk about a couple storylines to watch moving forward, and then... We'll see, and then maybe I'll finish with some Zion talk, depending how long ago. I don't want to go too long because there's only been one night of games since. I know I didn't record last week, but there's just been only one night of games since after the All-Star break, and teams are trying to just go into the motions just to get to All-Star weekend and that break. But we'll start with games that happened last night. There were three pretty great games that heading into the night I was excited to watch. I highlighted them. Pretty much, it's just going to be an oral discussion of my NBA recap article I wrote on Tuesday. It's on hoopshabit.com. And every Tuesday, I'll have a NBA recap along with my Lakers coverage. I'm sure there's plenty to talk about the Lakers and stuff like that. But all three, looking at, I take a look at the schedule and I pick some, usually three to four upcoming games to watch. For this week's, all three took place on tonight. And all three of those games were decided by a total of eight points. And the first one was Boston at Milwaukee, 98-97. And every game outside of Sacramento Golden State pretty much had some, what's the word, rugged basketball sloppiness, which is not, it's, just, it's kind of expected when you have a week off, and especially with t- people, you know, just trying to unwind from basketball and rest their bodies and gear it for the stretch run. But... The Bucks Celtics game was very interesting because these teams went seven games last year, and Boston is stronger in sense of numbers and health. But we who know it's it remains to be seen if they're a better team than they were in last year's playoffs. And the Bucks are clearly a better coach team with better personnel gearing around Giannis. So they met Bucks won ninety eight ninety seven. And came down to the end. Bucks couldn't make Bucks couldn't get the bucket to go up three, and then Celtics Kyrie couldn't make the the turnaround fadeaway Jay to give the Celtics the last gas win. But it was just a great game in terms of defense and stuff like that. Milwaukee is very, very what's the word reserved in giving up three pointers to opponents. They were just. Letting Al Horford just pick and pop to the three-point line. And Al Horford had one of his most active games. And he's been, not criticized, but he's been saying, you know, he's not been at Al Horford levels. The past couple weeks, he's starting to gear up for that. And, you know, he's he's not old, but he's, he's getting up there in age. I think he's 35 years old. And when you have that type of mileage on you, you, you need sometimes you need to space out and and save more for the final run. So expect to see some typical Al Horford stuff in terms of activity on defense. He was guarding Giannis last night and did a pretty good job, which brings me to my biggest takeaway about this game. And I understand the idea around spacing and stuff like that, especially when you have Giannis. You want to have four shooters so he can operate as much as possible. But the way Boston was using their matchups is they had Horford on Giannis. They had their wings scattered out around you know, players like that. But there was times in the fourth quarter when Milwaukee was struggling to get a bucket. 
And Brooke Lopez had Marcus Morris. Sometimes he had Terry Rozier on him and stuff like that. And they weren't even posting him up. And I get... I, it makes perfect sense why you want why that happens. Brooke Lopez can still shoot over those guys. But Brooke, let's not forget that Brooke was a, an elite post player. And in the postseason, if his shot's not falling, that's a bucket he can have. You throw it into him... And that's not that's I would like my chances of Brooke Lopez posting up Marcus Morris, who's a solid post, who's very strong for his size and stuff like that, and could probably not limit Brooke Lopez, but maybe push back a little bit in terms of the physicality mismatch and height and stuff like that. But those are percentages you gotta take sometimes. And then I know Nikola Miritich is more experienced and a better just a lights out shooter. But his insertion to the rotation to the team is going to take away minutes from DJ Wilson, who, like I said, is not a as nearly as polished or strong offensive player as Miritich, but he's he's a lot better defensively, a lot better. And how are you? You can't really hide Miritich and Lopez on the same defensive. You're going to get destroyed at times, especially in the playoffs and teams go small. You're going to get destroyed on defense with those two. So. I'm all for Brooke Lopez and Miritich getting time, but as long as it's separate and as long as DJ Wilson still gets 10 to 15 minutes a game because he was coming around and looked really, really strong. And he's a and he's a guy that could play the four or the five next to Giannis, could space four, and is probably will, will increase your not increase your defense, but like overall just improve your defense compared to the other two. And I'm not saying. I brought Booker Lopez for the, I watched him play for the Lakers every game last year, and he is actually a really solid defender. But in in postseason, he's going to get switched, and he's going to get matched up, and he's going to get destroyed. So throw DJ Wilson in there. Don't forget how good you were. I know Miritich is awesome, but don't give DJ Wilson a little more runs like that. Actually, the Celtics, no Hayward, no Baines. Kyrie tried to take over, couldn't be that as effective. Um, and yeah, there seems to be, I don't know, I don't know the energy around this team, but I'm not going to overact and say there's no, there's, there's no shame in losing by one to Milwaukee on the road first game back, especially Kyrie's for Kyrie missed the previous two games with the sore knee. He struggled immensely in the first half, came along in the second half, made some big shots, made some great, what a great up and under that layup too. Um, if you haven't just go, I mean, you know, there's Kyrie Irving highlights every game because what he does with the ball is mesmerizing. Besides that, I mean, like I said, Celtics have the best record against the big four, big three of the East compared to the Bucks, Raptors and 76ers. So I'm not going to overreact to this one. Um, the other two games that caught my attention were the Sacramento Kings at the Golden State Warriors because the Kings are... Coming into the night, they were two games back. They were, I think, two and a half, a game and a half out of the Clippers, behind the Clippers for the eight seed. These two games, these teams have played three times. They've all been very, very high scoring. They've all been very close. Just all three games decided by 10 points. And this is a potential round one series that I think everyone in the. Yeah, the King. I'm just double checking the standings. Kings were a game out of the Clippers. Now they're a game and a half. This. I mean, Curry went 10 of 16 for three. You had KD go drop 28. 
every every starter of Golden State, pretty much the only people that scored were Golden State starters. All of them were in double figures. Even Draymond went three of five from three. Um, their bench didn't do anything because I feel like their Iguodala did. But this is the one of the problems with Golden State is that they don't have depth really. You know, Jarebko, McKinney, Looney, Quinn Cook, and Iguodala off the bench. Iguodala's yes, but besides that, teams with depth like the Kings have can expose when they go to their second unit and stuff like that because the Kings are so deep. I mean, Nemanja Bajilto didn't even start, which I didn't even play, which was very interesting. But looking at the Kings rotation, you have Barnes, Willie Cauley-Stein, Fox, Heald, Bogey, and Bagley all playing above 28 minutes. Harry Giles was a plus was a plus three in his 16 minutes. Corey Brewer, 11 points in his 13 minutes. Yogi Ferrell, six points in his 16 minutes. And Alex Burks only played two in five minutes. But, I mean, Bagley, would, Bagley had 28 points. This team's just fun. And this is what Draymond said. And they had a shot to win. Buddy Heald, I don't know if Coach Yeager froze him a little bit, but Buddy Heald had a, had a, about a 30-footer, but hesitated, settled for a turnaround, fadeaway jumper over Clay Thompson, highly contested, missed it. Bogey, um, Bogdan Bogdanovich is open on the perimeter, could have passed him for the game winner. But one thing that I thought the Kings announcer said that I liked was, you don't go for the win, you go for the win. You go for three, because you're not going to beat the Warriors in overtime. So, Buddy's going to learn from that. Maybe, I don't know if Coach Ager, the play, a couple of plays before, who t- attempted and made a long three, got into his head, but that's not the point, because this is just a fun game. These two teams were made to play in a playoff series. And the Warriors, and Draymond Green said he does not want to play them because he is exhausted every time they play because of the pace they play at. And the Kings are not, the Kings are going to continue to get better because they haven't even fully implemented Barnes. Barnes isn't fully comfortable, although he's a plug-and-play guy. And Bagley and Giles are getting better every single game. So, really love this team. And I, it, between them and the Lakers, it's, we should be, it should be a treat if both the, if one of these teams can get, overtake the the Clippers. Because the Clippers are cool and all, but seeing the Kings this, this early in their, this early in their rebuilding process, make the playoffs in this West, that's impressive. Beat out LeBron, beat out the Clippers who are playing well, that'd be That'd be awesome. And to see them play the Golden State Warriors too in the first round, the Battle of the Bay Area, that's that's some really cool stuff. But that and we'll go to the most controversial game of the night. It's safe to say that. And that was the Rockets Lakers game. James Harden, the Lakers end up winning at one eleven to one oh six. Lakers overcome a nineteen point deficit, outscore the uh, Rockets by twelve in the fourth quarter. James Harden fouled out, got his 30-point streak right before he fouled out, Two offensive, three offensive fouls in the fourth quarter. Scott Foster special. I'm not going to get into all that stuff. Just look up the history of Scott Foster and his questionable refereeing, one could say. But this game was massive for the Lakers. LeBron still doesn't look 100%. Still is not pushing it full all the time, but... Finish at 29, 11, and 6. Um, Brandon Ingram looked really good. 27, 13, and, and an assist. But he's not playing point guard. He's more playing like an off-ball role. Kuzma with 18, 6, and 5. 
all starters were in double digits. Bullock, four for eight from three, 14 points, five from This is why I love Bullock so much. Because he played great defense on Harden. Harden went 11 of 24, two of 10 from three. Bullock was really, really smart with taking angles to contest shots and stuff like that without fouling and stuff. Um, their bench, uh, I mean... Josh Hart closed out the game. He was a plus 22. Played great defense, stuff like that. Didn't shoot that much. Just fine. You want Hart to do the little things. And, yeah, the rest of the bench. Lance didn't come in that much. Chesney Chandler didn't come on the bench. Rondo had seven assists in his 19 minutes, minus nine, all that stuff. But we're starting to see something from LeBron and the Lakers that we that we expected to see coming into the season it failed right away but now they're reverting back to it and that's going small with Kuzma and LeBron at the four and the five and against teams like Houston it can you can deploy this because Capella's not going to post up so it's just defending pick and rolls and they were really really great with their defensive rotations when most teams just switch a lot of teams switch some teams fight because if you don't if you if you switch it there'll be a mismatch with Harden and he'll isolate you if you play the proper defense in terms of you know you help 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 until the guy comes back you and don't have proper rotation down in the paint Capella's gonna have an easy roll and he can dish to a corner three which is why what the Lakers did was one of their best defensive games of the year in my opinion referee help or not because LeBron would help on the corner from PJ Tucker and he still had the closeout speed to get in size and length to challenge shots from Tucker Tucker if it got to him but Kuzma would do a hard help hard hedge and Bullock and they would time it so perfectly that Bullock would take get back over the screen of Harden Kuzma would drop and he'd be helped because LeBron's in the paint and LeBron's taking away that role and then he'd get out to the corner real quick Tucker was one for four from three Gordon was four for ten Harden was two for ten Gerald Green 0 for 8. Austin Rivers 1 for 3. Kenneth Reed was 1 for 1 of all people. And Chris Paul 2 for 4. But they were 12 for 41 from 3. Um, free throw disparity was 27 for 33 for the Lakers. And they shot 81.8%. And they finally, hey, when you make free throws, you win. And then 14 for 15 for the Rockets. So that made a big difference. For once, the Rockets did not get all the calls. James Harden only had 7 free throw attempts. He fouled out, like I said. But... He had eight turnovers. Just, I mean, it's like a typical Harding game, uh, for for being honest. But this is big for the standings. Watch Lakers are now two and a half games back of the Clippers. They still have, I believe, one game with the Clippers. Let me double check real quick. Uh, schedule. Come on, where are you? Go down. They played a lot of games. They have three very winnable games coming up for the Lakers. They have four of their next. They should honestly win four of the next five. They have at New Orleans, at Memphis, versus New Orleans at home, um, versus Milwaukee at home. That'll be awesome. At Phoenix, so you should go four go four and one there at the very worst. Then you are home for the Clippers, Denver, and Boston. Those are three big games, but. I'm trying to see. Yeah, they have two games against the Clippers left and one game against the Kings. It's pretty simple, Lakers. 
you beat those Clippers two more times, beat the Clippers two more times, and there's a chance, you, and you pretty much not control your own destiny, but things will be in your favor. Your schedule's tough. You play a lot of playoff teams in the playoffs, but you still have games against the Bulls. You still have Phoenix games, all of these very winnable games. And with LeBron, everything's very You can pretty much win every game, especially as he works his way back to health. Playoff activation mode, whatever. It's all about LeBron getting back to health. Intensity will come. He understands that this is... A, he His job was to bring the Lakers a championship, not to fight for the playoffs. And him, no one can predict him being injured. That's true. But it's something. This, that's part of the adversity of his, of his season. Can he rally this team back from three games down and make the playoffs? They're at two and a half. They did their job. And... I'm just checking the uh, yeah the Clippers play at Memphis. We'll see what happens there. And maybe push back to three by the time this Saturday morning rolls around. But they did what they could do, and and yeah, we'll see what goes from here. I've I write about it. I beat I beat I beat this drum way too much. It's something I talk about all the time. So I mean that's one of the big storylines. The bottom of the West playoffs. You have the Clippers. I mean honestly, the Spurs and Jazz. They're only four. Lakers are only four and a half games back. Four and a half games back of the six seed. Five. No, they're three and a half. They're four back from the five seed. So maybe the Kings and the Lakers get in, and the Spurs and Clippers fall out. There's a lot. There's a lot of things that can happen. And any of I think the Rockets will get in, but the Jazz, Spurs, Clippers, Kings, and Lakers. Those five are going to fight for those last three spots. And it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be very interesting because those playoff teams. Everyone want right now. Everyone wants a seven seed. Everybody wants to play Denver versus instead of Golden State or OKC. Pipe dream scenario: We get Lakers at the seven, Kings at the eight. See Denver, LA, Golden State, Sacramento, OKC, Utah, Part Two, Portland, Houston. That. That is an awesome first round. Sign me up for every single one of those series. Every single one. And in the East, well, the other big standing story, I mean, I'm not going to consider the race for Tank, the that stuff, part of the storyline of the season because some of these teams are embarrassing with their, with their play. But the, the East, I'm looking at the bottom, and the Nets are 3-7 and seven in their last 10. And are now only two and a half games out of the 10 seed themselves. So the top of the East is solidified. The order of Bucks Raptors, we'll see, because the Bucks are a game and a half up. Indiana's at the three seed, but they're only a half game up on Philly at the four seed and a game and a half up on Boston. And they don't have Victor Oladipo. They are six, they are six and four in the last ten, but we'll see how and they have a good point differential. But we'll see. We'll see how strong they can finish and where and where they slot. Because you want to be in the top three seeds in the East, because you don't want that four or five matchup. Because that's either that means you're Indiana, Philly, or Boston. You're facing one another. Philly, Boston, first round. I'm not complaining. I'd rather see Philly, Boston, second round instead of you know maybe Toronto, Indiana, or and then Milwaukee, Philly, or Boston. I'd rather see Indiana. I want to see Indiana fall to the five or four. Personally speaking, selfish. Maybe it's all good, but. The race at the bottom with the Magic and the Heat on the outside looking in of the Pistons, Hornets, and Nets. That's going to be kind of fun. I mean, the Nets are at 500. Hornets are three games back of 500. Pistons are four. And the Magic and the Heat are both five. 
So, yes, it's terrible that teams above 500. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to get into this East-West East West debate. I just honestly, I want to see the Magic and the Pistons in the playoffs because I think the Pistons are fun. I just think Blake Griffin, playoff Blake Griffin will be awesome. And the Magic making it would be a very good step right before they go full young player mode. You know, they're going to let DJ Augustine go, Vucevic go, all these people. Because Vucevic is a free agent. So these are players that may not re-sign in Orlando, and we'll see like that. But that would be a Milwaukee-Orlando series. Yes, we know Milwaukee's going to win. But Isaac on Giannis, that would be just a very, very cool match to see. And Pistons-Raptors, I'd rather see Pistons-76ers so we could get Drummond and Embiid for four games. But it is what it is. Um... Yeah, the other big, like I said, I don't want to keep, I don't want to go too on about this because there's only so much I could talk about right now. I mean, All-Star Weekend was awesome. I thought the game, game went as expected, you know, it's it's what you have to expect All-Star Weekend. They're going to try when it gets to the fourth, but we see some cool plays. We saw Embiid play defense on KD for in the first quarter, and we saw KD get a little perturbed about that, what KD probably gets a little annoyed about everything these days. Um The my favorite thing was just like the home feel. There's just we just saw that you know, a lot of times the city will get put on the like city will get represented well, but for this time it was just like Charlotte everything. The celebrity game was Charlotte versus people from outside of Charlotte. It's like um, skills challenge. No one from Charlotte, but the. Three-point contest at Kemba, the dunk contest at Dennis Smith Jr. with the J. Cole moment from Fayetteville. Uh, then you had Miles Bridges. Yeah, Miles Bridges in there, Dennis Smith Jr. There's a lot of short. Then you had North Carolina vibes in the other one because John Collins went to Wake Forest. And, but Hamadou Diallo won. And he had some. He had a good dunk. We just had to clean up the misses, honestly. That's all it is. And then the All-Star game, the court was a throwback, was awesome. And Jay Cole performing halftime, wearing the Charlotte throwback. Like, there was just a lot of Charlotte and North Carolina vibes. And that's something that I was pretty, it was pretty cool to see. I'm from Florida. I've been North Carolina a lot and stuff like that. I really liked the music from North Carolina. So it was, that was just a really cool experience for me to win and stuff like that. But the tampering, the picture of Anthony Davis, LeBron, there's the video of KD and Kyrie, which is nothing pretty much. But, it's just there's just a lot of stuff that comes out of the All Star Weekend, and I actually sat back and enjoyed it. It's still one of my favorite weekends. You know, we watch a dunk contest and complain about it because we have such a high expectations. And if any, if there's anything that if the field is, we always hear this on All Star Weekend. LeBron, I'm here by declaring myself in next year's dunk contest. It never happened. Um, but Giannis said if he's fully healthy. And his knees allow him. He'd want to be in it, which means Donovan Mitchell want to be in it, which means Tommy Diallo would probably want to be in it again because he wants to defend his title. And then Zion, who knows if Zion will get into it, which Zion's been the talk of the town even more so because of his shoe blowing out, him spraining his right MC, his right knee, which is therefore called, caused the NBA to propose the age limit from 19 to 18 to the draft. <sighs> Just a lot of things. Have transpired in the past week, honestly, in terms of off-court stuff that doesn't ever really have any effect on this season. But 
it still just needs to be mentioned a little bit. Um, but I think that's, I mean, besides that, the only thing in my NBA recap that, w- that I discussed was the MVP race, and that was the third storyline to watch because we haven't seen something like this where, I mean, we have, but there's like, once again, there's just like so much polarization with these voters because it all comes down to what you value. Do you value the best player on the best team and one of the top three players of the season in Giannis? Do you val- do you factor in that James Harden has to do so much every single night for the Rockets to win and is putting up numbers we have never seen from a guard before in terms of stretches and assists and three-pointers and free throws and all of these things? Do you value Paul George, who's the favorite for Defensive Player of the Year and having career highs across the board in scoring, rebounds, assists, three-point percentage, shooting 40% on 9.6 three-pointers a game? That is insane. So is he involved? Then you have Steph Curry, who is arguably having his second best season of his having the second best season of his career offensively and remains just a joy to watch it's it's such an amazing experience watching him in his prime and stuff like this kd is putting up just light kd numbers typical 28 and 8 and 6 and 6 with a couple blocks and steals a game and his two-way prowess as well as Paul George. He's probably the second best two-way, second or third best two-way player of the season. But he's at the five position. Jokic and Embiid are having great seasons for top half teams in their conference. It's just such a heavy race. But there's still three. There's still two at the top. And Paul George is pushing for the three. So once again, it's going to come down to who do voters, who do voters side with in terms of what they value, and what narrative is going to get carried the most. I'd personally vote for Giannis if I had a vote. I mean, I, I even forgot to mention Kawhi Leonard, but I'd vote in the MVP thing. I'd vote for Giannis. They're the best team in the NBA. The best team in the NBA, I mean, that should give you a boost, especially if, if there's an 11-win gap between you and the, and the other contestant and stuff like that. But... There's just going to be a lot of a lot of takes with the MVP to the end of the season. But that's why we have the final 25, 20 plus games for all the teams to decide this and stuff like that. But if the Bucks finish un- with under with under 20 losses, the MVP I feel like has to go to him. Not the quick math, that's a 60 plus win season for a team with the best point differential in the NBA and the best and having the best player in the league, honestly, for the season. So, I mean, the Warriors are, I think the number was like, they've only lost nine, they've only lost nine games when Curry's been healthy. So there, that record would swing. I don't think I would throw Curry at number three, honestly, maybe even two, but that's the discussion for another day in and out. Talk about the playoffs a little bit. Everyone, please go follow Hoops Habit online. I am mduggr33 on Twitter. That's M-D-U-G-G-E-R 33. Hoops Habit, you know, I'm trying to build this podcast, so not sure if it's on Spotify. I'm going to ask that. If it's on iTunes, all that stuff, how to get the links up, start posting, start be a little more proactive. And I should finally have my software figured out to have guests and stuff, maybe make some Google phone calls. So been looking up for that. Everyone, 
Thanks for listening. And basketball's back. NBA's back. It was honestly a pretty long three or three days without NBA basketball. And but it's back. And it's here until June, which June will carry itself with draft coverage and free agency and then summer league. So this is now where the, the NBA this is the stretch where the NBA owns everything pretty much everything until middle end July. So we're here. The best time of the year is here for NBA fans. So buckle in. We'll have content for you on Hoops Habit, and I'll have podcasts churning out every week. Thank you, and enjoy yourself a good week.